Bibles, if you would, to the Gospel of John, uh, starting in verse 12. If you recall, we looked at verse 12 last week. We're picking it up again, tucking it into this passage, uh, John chapter 8, 12 through 18. And um, this is God's Word. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge... My judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. And let's pray one more time. Father, may the truth be spoken and received here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've got a short commercial for you, and you may or may not have seen this. This played in the Super Bowl back in January, and this has one of the longest lives, 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 one of the longest lives of uh, commercials that I've seen in a while. It's got a lot of, lot of life in it. They play it over and over again at movies. Uh, it's short, but it's, it, there's more to it than it looks like. Crank it up. Okay. Now you look at that and you go, what is that? It's nothing really, right? In fact, that commercial has been criticized uh, as being empty, as being stupid. Um, People have made fun of it. They made fun of her outfit. Uh, If you want to live in a yurt, you know what a yurt is? Uh, It's a weird, fun kind of funky, like glamping kind of a tent thing. If you want to live in a yurt, you can live in a yurt. Um, Yurt it up. Uh, Just do you. But I'm telling you, folks, I've watched this thing, I bet you, 40 times. I've just watched it over and over and over again. I'm about to send it to our staff with a warning. It says, if you dismiss this, you are, you are missing the culture entirely. I'm telling you, that is a little snapshot of our culture right there. If you want to understand uh, people's worldview or political view or social view or even Christian view just by osmosis, look at that thing. That really captures uh, where our culture is um, publicly or secretly. Uh, the idea is... I leave you alone, you leave me alone, and then everything's fine. Uh, why force a bunch of moral categories on people? Just let everybody be themselves and leave them alone. Um, let everybody do whatever they want. And uh, it's, it's kind of like, why can't you just let people seek their own happiness and just enough with it? That's where our culture is. Well, let, ladies and gentlemen, I, I start with that to say this. Can you imagine a worse social climate than right here and now in the good old USA for the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
I mean, if the idea is, hey, I've got my reality and you've got your reality, and you know, it's, it started with kind of a be kind uh, theology 10 years ago, and it has morphed into this, this, uh, this, this crazy construct where we just, just leave each other alone and we don't even think about a thing, and whatever you do is right, and whatever your truth is your truth, and there is no absolutes. Um, can you imagine a worse social climate for somebody coming in, a savior saying, um, uh, I am the light of the world. By implication, he's saying, I am the only light of the world. That's what Jesus' claim is. Can you imagine how, how that cuts across the culture where it is? It's a very hard gospel to share. It's always been a hard gospel to share. It's always been an offense. That is the offense of the gospel. Uh, but can you imagine how hard it is? No matter how you punch the whole line, um, I am the light. Uh, I am the light. I am the light. I am the light. No matter how you emphasize that, it comes across really badly to our culture because it's an exclusive claim. Exclusive means that it excludes some and it includes others. Now, what could possibly look worse on the church brochure uh, in the presence of, uh, of uh, the, the, the church in, in reference to the culture? Think about it. There is no other way, claims Jesus, claims the Bible. There is no other way. And, and when, a, when you make a claim like that, um, it's saying, you know, the stuff that you hold to be important that's not Christianity, that's not Jesus Christ, is invalid, not true, it's insufficient, you've been fooled, you're believing a lie. I mean, that is a really tough message um, and had Jesus merely claimed that he was a light of the world, there'd be no problem. But he doesn't claim that. He claims that he is the light of the world, and in that um, it is a very big problem for a sinful culture. Well, our main idea here that I'd like to share with you is this. God scrutinizes us. We don't scrutinize him. You know, I think our culture chin scratches and goes, well, uh, God, my God is this, and I believe this, and I believe this religious thing, and I have this religious idea. We don't get to do that. God is the one who is scrutinizing us, and all we really know about God is what he has revealed to us he's decided to share. All right, so let's start with our first point. We're going to camp out in verse 12 just a little bit longer. Uh, light threatens to destroy darkness. Now, before I go to the passage here, uh, when, when Tammy and I taught um, on the junior high trip. Anybody have junior high kids on, the, on Trout Lodge? Anybody? All right, so we go to Trout Lodge, and it's just a wonderful facility, uh, Trout Lodge. And uh, no, it's fine. And, um, but nearby, there's, a, there's Merrimack Caverns. And so one of the days when the kids were doing something that uh, I, I would never dream of doing, um, we went to Merrimack Caverns, and we took this little tour, and it was, I mean, stunningly beautiful. Anybody ever been in a cave where they do that? And I, always, like, the high point is they get you deep in the bowels of the cave, and they say, now you're going to experience total darkness. And uh, you get all psyched for it, and then they have it, and there's one idiot with a cell phone on, you know. Uh, but um, when that finally goes off, you experience total darkness, and you go, man, that is, it's pretty real. I mean, there's nothing... F- faintly moving, and it's, it's almost, uh, almost feels like the air has been pulled out of, of the whole thing. Well, darkness. If, um, think about it, if there's a dominion of light and darkness enters the dominion of light, it's like a cloud coming in. That's why we say partly cloudy or partly sunny. 
even when clouds come in, even in the very worst hurricane there ever is where it just gets dark and dismal and it's tornadic out there and it's just crazy, there's, it's still light. I mean, there's still light out there. However, um, in total darkness, uh, an entrance of light makes it not be dark anymore. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. If uh, darkness comes into a light domain, it's still light. But if light comes into a dark domain, there is light. Uh, light dispels darkness. And what Jesus is saying is, I am the light of the world. Now, when we see this Jesus, Jesus, who is God, speak of himself as I am. When he says, I am the light of the world, that is a rare, that's rarefied air, wouldn't you say? I mean, it's, it's highly stylized speech. And, you know, the, the, Bible, the Bible uses highly stylized speech to, to, to set things apart. Like, for instance, I, I might say, um, I, am ath- I am athletic. Well, I'm not me, but you, you might say, I am athletic. Or you might say, I am a book reader. Or uh, you might say that I love to cook or I love to do triathlons or I am this, I am that. You're making statements about yourself. But that's totally different than to say, I am. You can say, I am this, I am this, I am this, I am this, I am this. But it's totally different than it is to say, I am. That form of speech has eternal overtones to it um, and an all-encompassing overtone. And that is what Jesus is using here. Here's another example of highly stylized um, Bible speech. Thou shalt not. I mean, who talks like that? I mean, that's highly stylized. Thou shalt not. Um, Hey, don't do that has a different ring to it than thou shalt not. So the Bible uses highly stylized, uh, potent terms to communicate things. And so Jesus once uses one here too when he says, uh, I am the light of the world. So there's no mistaking his meaning. He is basically saying, in a, kind of in an Old Testament sense, uh, when God speaks of himself in the Old Testament, he says, I am. The idea is, I am who I am. That can also be translated, I will be who I will be. Now, you've heard me say this in here before, uh, in fact, recently, I think, but um, being and becoming, you know, the difference between being and becoming. This is a good thing to tuck away if, if, you, if you don't have it tucked away. But um, I am becoming. I am becoming older. I am becoming uh, more aware of my wife's needs. Um, I am becoming more experienced. I am learning information all the time. Something happens and I go, oh, I did not know that, but now I do know that. I am progressing. I am an agent of time. I, not an agent of time. I'm a, I'm a, uh, not an agent of time. Well, that'd be something, wouldn't it? I'm a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, subject of time. Victim of time. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm live within a context of time. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Father time. Father time. <laughs> but, uh, I am becoming all the time. We're changing all the time. God is not. He is being, not becoming. God is never ah, surprised like we are. God is never, oh, I better get to that right away. He's not in a hurry like we are because he's not becoming. God cannot learn. He cannot learn. Could God do anything? No, he can't sin. He can't learn either. Why? He's got all the knowledge. He knows everything. He can't, he can't, ooh, I see. Oh, I see what you did there. Well, now I, I'm informed. I'm informed. I'll do better next time when I, when I minister to your soul. No, no, no. He is 
being. That's why he says, I am, or I will be who I will be. I am means that God is supreme. It means that he's singular. It means that he's self-existent. Uh, it means that he's forever. Uh, I am uh, means that he certainly is. But my, my point in bringing all that up is when Jesus makes these self-declarations, I am the light of the world. Yes, he is speaking in a highly stylized form, um, uh, much, like, much like what we're talking about here. But he's, he's also speaking emphatically. When he says, I am the light of the world, he is saying, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. He's speaking in terms of of being. I am. But he's also speaking emphatically. I am the one. That's the point. Um, It's highly stylized, so there's no mistake. Uh, But remember last week, too, when we were talking about the festival of booths that happens in chapter 7, the... the, um, the uh, Feast of Booths or the Feast of Taber- Tabernacles, the Festival of Booths. Um, and one of the, the, the big climaxes uh, nightly is that they would light these four giant pillars. All right, they, would, they were 75 feet high. They were 50 cubits high, which is 75 feet, which is a seven-story building. So imagine these giant oil lamps, seven stories high, four of them. And uh, according to the Talmud, you know what the Talmud is? It's a... It's, um, there's actually a couple different Talmuds. There's like a Jewish one and a and there's like a um, Jewish uh, back at home Talmud and then there's a Jewish uh, not at home Talmud, kind of an exilic Talmud. All right, but it, it documents Jewish life and custom. All right, so uh, and it's broken down into a couple of categories. One of those is the Mishnah. Anyway, according to the Talmud, according to the Mishnah, um, um, th- th- you have these these uh, giant four pillars that they would light every single night. And here's what it says in the Mishnah. There was not a courtyard in Jerusalem that did not reflect the light. Isn't that something? I mean, that, that's, that's something extra biblical, but that's a recorded historical um, uh, point. And um, imagine that. Every courtyard in Jerusalem is affected by these four giant lights. It's kind of like when the fireworks go off and you go out and, and you kind of see them through the trees and the whole neighborhood can see them and your dog's freaking out because it can hear them and uh, everybody sees the fireworks. It's like that. Now imagine the enormity of the claim, I am the light of the world. Jesus is not uh, unaware of, uh, of uh, that. And uh, let me just show you a couple of things here. The Jewish hearer, would have recalled this. This is in Isaiah 42, 6. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the peoples, people, people, a light for the nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. Now, is that not something, this, this promise of God? To, uh, be, to send a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring prisoners out of the dungeon, out of darkness. Um, here's another one also from Isaiah uh, 48, 11, 59, 6. 49, 6. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Here's another one from Isaiah. Um, Isaiah 51, 4. Give attention to me, my people, and give ear to me, my nation, for a law will go out from me, and I will set my justice for a light to the peoples. Uh, not people, peoples, people groups, um, families. And it's, it's very reminiscent of um, God covenanting, not, not covenant, God calling Abram when he says, um, I'll make you into a great nation, Genesis 12. I'll bless you, make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. I'll bless you, those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all of the peoples of the earth shall be blessed, the families of the earth, the people groups. Not the people, the peoples. And Jesus says, ladies and gentlemen, I am the light. What a statement. And the Pharisees know it. I am the light. Not just a pocket of people in ancient Palestine, but to the nations, to the world, the peoples. I am the light of the world. Now, application for your life. Where Jesus is speaking now, the festival's over. It's post the festival, and the lights aren't being lit anymore, and so he's actually speaking, um, and the city's back in darkness. Um, in verse 12, he says, uh, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And notice that Jesus used those words, uh, life, uh, death, they're synonyms, uh, darkness, and it's opposite light. Uh, darkness equals death, light equals life. That's precisely his point. Jesus' claim uh, is this. If it's real, um, it has everything to do with your spiritual well-being, your everything well-being. Um, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not a little crutch. It's not some hobby. It's not an interest. It's not something uh, to uh, control people, religion. It's not th- something to occupy slow minds. That's not it. Uh, it is the rescue of the doomed from dark death. <laughs> that's, what, that's what the gospel of Jesus Christ is for. And that sounds, that sounds dramatic and scary. It is dramatic and scary. It's the rescue of the doomed from dark death. That's what Jesus, the light of the world, came to do. Um, that, that's, that's, what, that's what the gospel causes you to do, which is love the light, love the Lord of light, um, to be confident in the light because of the sin payment of another. All right, second point. Can I get a witness? Verse 13. So <laughs> the Pharisees said to him, you are a bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Now notice that the Pharisees get it. They're not puzzled about Jesus' claim. They're not going, well, Jesus, what do you mean by this whole crazy light thing? They're not saying that. They're saying your claim's invalid. They're not questioning his claim. They get his claim. They understand it. The religious leadership understands what he's saying, how big and comprehensive it is that he's claiming divinity. They understand that. So they say, ah, your testimony's not true. Now, why are they saying that? What they're referring to is this. Um, in Deuteronomy 17, 6, it says um, in the Mosaic Law, it says, on the evidence of two witnesses, two, 
uh, one who is to die shall be put to death. A person shall be not be put to death on the evidence of one witness. So there was capital punishment in uh, Israelite culture, uh, but capital punishment, uh, you know, they didn't have, uh, you know, CSI and forensic evidence and DNA and all that stuff. Uh, you had to have two witnesses. Uh, somebody could just say, uh, Sloan tried uh, to kill me, and so uh, they're going to put him to death and, uh, on, my, my, on my one voice. They're not going to do that. You've got to have two witnesses. In Deuteronomy 19.15, it says, A single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. So the Pharisees are basically saying, in essence, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. They say, uh, yeah, we understand your claim, um, but says you. That's what they're saying. Yes, yeah, says you. You know, you're bearing witness for yourself. Yeah, that's one witness. Says you. How do you back up that claim? Um, Jesus uh, is claiming divine uh, credentials versus invalid ones. And here's how he does it. Look at verse 14. He says, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. We'll talk about that more in a second. Here's what I want to show you, though. You judge according to the flesh. Now, folks, um, the Bible uses the word flesh. Flesh means lots of things. Flesh can mean, you know, your physical body. Uh, Flesh can mean doing something in your own power. Flesh can mean that you're simply a mortal being. You are fleshly. Uh, lots lots uh, Lots of meanings for the word flesh, but they're all under the same basic uh, umbrella. I mean, when the Bible is talking about, you know, the, the, the point is the redemption of God's people for his own glory. That's the point of the whole Bible. That's what the Bible is about, the redemption of God's own people for his own glory. Um, and, and as one commentator put it, I just love this, he talks about the, the idea of flesh overarchingly in the Bible. Listen to this. Flesh is what is weak about human life and lacking in knowledge of ultimate spiritual things and in its ability to understand and act. Flesh can't act. Flesh can't understand. Flesh can't see. Flesh only resists. Flesh is broken. Flesh is affected by sin. And so Jesus is saying, you know, you're judging um, according to the flesh, What he's saying is that you only see things in a veiled and flawed way. You're making judgments about me. You're trying to scrutinize me, and that's not how it works. They can't see the heavenly reality standing in front of them. Jesus is scrutinizing them. Um, Jesus is basically saying, my testimony is true. It's valid. It's a matter of a divine fiat, and we'll talk about that more in our next point. Um, but to apply it to your lives, here's, here's what Jesus says, and this puzzles a lot of people. Um, you judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. Now, what does he mean by I judge no one? Because uh, in chapter, uh, I think it's 9 or 10, he talks about judging, and I mean, there's, there's plenty of stuff about Jesus judging, and ultimately, he comes to judge the quick and the dead. Ultimately, he's a judge. But what does he mean by saying, you judge according to the flesh, I judge no one? It simply means this. Jesus is saying in a very short statement, I judge no one. He's saying, I'm not here to condemn 
That, that's not my, I'm here to save. I'm the savior. I'm the light of the world. I am the savior. That's my role. You judge according to the flesh. You got me all wrong. I'm here to save. Uh, I'm not here to judge. Now, friends, um, let's move to the next point, and then we'll, we'll wrap this all up. Um, Jesus and the Father bear witness. Notice in uh, verses 16 um, and following, he says, yet even if I do judge, I judge no one, all right? I'm not here to condemn. Um, I'm here to save. I'm here, I was born in this world to die for the sinner, all right? So I'm not in judgment mode right now. But even if I do judge, even if I do, um, uh, my judgment is true. For it's not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. Um, Notice what he says in verse 17. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. In your law. Well, whose law is it? It's God's law. But when he says in your law, what he's saying to the Pharisees is this. You guys treasure this law, this Mosaic law. You're the religious experts. You're the Pharisees who are religious experts. Now, their, their flaw is not in their high regard of um, the Old Testament, the Mosaic law particularly. That's not their flaw. Their flaw is their misunderstanding of the Mosaic law. Their flaw is that they don't get that it, that, uh, that it applies to Jesus, that it's fulfilled in Jesus. Uh, it's wrongly understood. But Jesus', Jesus point is this. Brace yourselves. This is awesome. He's saying, I agree with you and your wonderful law. You got a wonderful law, the Mosaic law. I know you treasure it. I agree with you that two witnesses are required to accuse and to judge. Okay, so I've come not to judge. I'm I'm in savior mode right now. I'm here to accomplish the work of salvation. That's what I'm here to do. But even if I do judge, my judgment would be valid. You know why? Because you want two witnesses? I got two witnesses for you. Guess who they are? The Father and me. God the Father, God the Son. That is so potent, friends. Um, And it's in keeping with our, our main idea here. God scrutinizes us. We don't scrutinize him. The Pharisees are doing what we all do. We say, oh, well, you know, apparently you haven't seen this Diet Coke commercial. Because uh, that's us. I mean, leave me alone. Uh, I'm not going to make any moral judgments over here, and I'm not going to care if this is right or wrong. Whatever you do is fine. Just leave me alone, and I'll leave you alone, and everything will be fine. And I'm not going to make these exclusive statements about an ultimate right and wrong and somebody holding the line on what is righteous or unrighteous or pure behavior or not pure behavior or the best use of the human body versus whatever you want to do with it. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to leave everybody alone. Well, you know, Jesus comes in and says, well, I know you're scrutinizing God and you're scrutinizing life and you're scrutinizing what is right and wrong, but that's not how it works. You, in fact, are being scrutinized. You want two witnesses? God the Father, God the Son. Now, I apply all of that to your life and we'll wrap it up this way. You know, you go to the dentist and uh, I don't know about you, but my dentist keeps updating her uh, lights. 
about every year, you know, you go in, oh, it's some kind of new technology, some kind of new light. Unlike the uh, the dentist when I was growing up, I, I had, you know, it was the same light for like 30 years, you know. Um, but it's just a new light. It's LED. It's this. It's bright. And I mean, it's just blinding, isn't it? When they put that on you, the hygienist puts it on you and it's, and they're trying to adjust it and it always kind of it hits your eyes one time and you're like, dang, that thing is bright. And gosh, I mean, bless their hearts. I mean, they have to put their hands in your mouth. And it is quite illuminated. I mean, they're like, okay. I mean, gosh, it's, it's hard enough to look at a person talking. You know, you're like, ooh, what's in your teeth there? Ooh, that's kind of mangled. What's, what's he got? Chapped lips. I mean, the light is on there, and they're just seeing absolutely everything just completely blown out, lit up. Well, friend, God has one of those on your soul. God has one of those on every single aspect of your life. The outside mannerisms and movements and outgushings um, of your heart and on the heart itself. God has a spotlight on the thoughts and intentions, the motives, the deep desires of your heart all the time, blown out. Now, that is pretty scary. We don't evaluate God. He evaluates us. We're under his scrutiny, not the other way around. We don't get to go, well, my God is this, and my God is this, and I think they're, well, I just think that there are many different ways. Uh Uh-uh. God has a light on you, friend. That is the problem of sin. If God is who he says he is, that he is holy, 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 and he dwells in unapproachable light, and his eyes are too pure to even look upon sin, well, that is a cosmic problem for the sinner. It's cosmic. It's forever. It's eternal. It's supernatural. It has to do with everything about us. And we're under his scrutiny, not the, the other way around. The gospel message is one of simplicity and beauty. Mystery, yes, but simplicity and beauty. What do we need? We need the righteousness that is required of us. If God is white-hot purity and he can't have sin in his presence, what does he need? White-hot purity. <laughs> he needs purity. Sinless beings can be in God's presence. No one else. Well, that's a problem for the sinner. And so, what do we need? We need the righteousness of God. You know what else we need? A human representative. It can't be a rhinoceros. It can't be an avatar. It can't be an angel. It can't even be a sinless being like an angel. It's got to be human like us. It's got to be the righteousness of God that is required of us. And so Jesus comes to this world as the son of God takes upon himself a real human nature. He really is human, flesh and blood, tired, sleepy, um, eats food, uh, feels things, is betrayed, tears up, is loving, is loved. He, he experiences humanity. He's tempted, 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 never gives in once. You got the righteousness of God living that human life that's absolutely perfect. And then he's able to say, I'm the one representative that there could ever be to lay this life down on the cross for other people. And that's when a transaction takes place in heaven and in your heart where you say, I accept the gift of salvation. I accept God's provision made for me, this Jesus Christ. And in that instant, when you believe Uh, It is uh, the result of life given, uh, the light of life. I I hope you know this, Lord, and I I hope uh, on your pillow you will will examine those things. 
Um, I'll close with this. Um, while I was working on this, I, a song popped in my head from years and years ago, I, like six or seven years ago, that I, that I wrote and that did, did here. Um, it's just a hopeful gospel message. Let me sing you the chorus. What is this love that would the rebels seek? Knowing every stain and shame in holiest critique. Wow, hey? What is this love who would seek out a rebel? You know every stain and shame in holiest critique. You know why? There's that hot dental light right on your heart. But still you moved to wrest me from the night. W-R-E-S-T, wrestle me. You tore me from the night and brought me home to live and love in light. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. The problem of sin is that we are children of the darkness We love the darkness more than light, but God intruded in the gospel and wrested us from the light, tore us, wrestled us, pulled us from the, excuse me, pulled us from the darkness, brought us into light where there is life uh, and love in our Lord. I hope you know the Savior. If you don't, call me sometime. Let's get a coffee. Let's pray. Righteous Father, we bow before you and we thank you that you have sent the Lord Jesus. Lord, I believe in this Savior. I, Jim Umloff, believe in the provision that you made for me, that Jesus Christ lived the perfect human life that I couldn't live. He laid it down, took on um, guilt that was mine personally, and was punished for my guilt so that my spiritual bank account is full of his righteousness, and that is all you see. I believe it, Lord. I accept the Savior, and I pray for this room full of people, Lord. I pray that not a heart will hit the pillow tonight without a solid answer as to uh, where we all stand eternally. Might you make that happen, Lord, by your grace, uh, through the work of the Savior, in the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thanks, everybody.